Hi, this is Tia Sarkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this epic more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Twin Sons Transmission. I'm your host Eric Pfeiffer, joined as always by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey guys. Welcome to episode 182 of Twin Sons Transmission and Jesse, I am both saddened and excited because this past weekend would have been Star Wars Celebration Anaheim. We would have been flying out to California with all of the friends and going to the panels and the parties and collecting merchandise, but the world is canceled this year. It is. Everything's canceled. It's so sad. I keep seeing everybody posting their, like, you know, wishing I was at celebration and pictures and posts, and it's a bummer for sure. Yeah. Well, it definitely hasn't affected the merchandise production at all, because if anything, it seems like all the merchandise that was going to be at Star Wars Celebration, or at least announced, um, has been coming out now. So I'm sure you guys, if you've been on Facebook, have seen, or even social media in general, you've seen, you know, Ahsoka Hot Toys for the Clone Wars was announced with uh, the 501st Clone. We also got a bunch of pops. So if you guys um, normally collect pops at Celebration, there was a whole slew of pops that went up for sale this past week, including um, a Yoda lifting the Millennium Fal- or uh, the the X-wing out of the Dagobah swamp, um, a ten-inch stormtrooper, and then a set of four for the concept series. Um, for the Macquarie concept pops of Vader, Luke, Boba Fett, and Chewbacca. Um, and there's just been merchandise all over the place. Um, shopcelebration.com has a bunch of uh, celebration merchandise that you can buy now. So it's just unending with the merchandise that's been out. And Jesse, I feel like, too, because we did not get a celebration, you know, which is historically a great place to sort of reveal new content that we're going to be getting trailers and things like that coming up and so this past week we got uh, another trailer for star wars squadrons uh we also got a trailer for the star wars skywalker saga lego game and we got another new game or at least uh, addition to the game the sims 4 is doing a whole galaxy's edge thing which looks pretty cool so it's just never ending it's perfect timing for that Sims 4 game, too, because I feel like it's almost on par with how Animal Crossing became so popular during the quarantine. It's like this need to like want to go on vacation and want to be around your friends, and you can simulate that in Animal Crossing. And now it's 
The Sims, which we've all grown up playing, that's also a nostalgic game um, that seems to never die for a good reason. But now it's you can travel to Tibet too. It's like going to Disney World, being part of it. And I don't know. How, I don't. I don't know if The Sims has like a online feature these days. I, I haven't had a new Sims game in forever. Probably going to get Sims Four now. But <laughs> it seems like a really good time to kind of fill that void everybody's been. You know, wishing we were at that too. <laughs> you might find this hard to believe, but I've never played The Sims ever in my whole life. What? Yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand. It's the best. <laughs> it's just, it, it's, I don't know. I, when I play video games, like some of my favorite video games, like I said, Animal Crossing, it's just like living a life and doing whatever you want in that life. And Sims is exactly that. It's just it's just like a simulated game that goes on and on forever. You don't really win, you don't really lose, you just keep making money and keep building a house and it just never ends. It's the best. <laughs> yeah, well, I did a little research because um, I was like, oh, Sims 4, that's awesome. Is that like a new one? So I looked it up, it came out in 2014. So I was like, okay. wow, that's six years old. So it must just be like a update or expansion or something. But yeah, I was really surprised it was that old. Yeah, my mom actually just brought me over a box from their garage of my stuff. She keeps trying to get me to take and it had my original Sims game in it. And so now I really want to power and just play because I had all these expansions but I was always using this ancient computer that all the expansions would never fit on so maybe now I'll be able to enjoy that game <laughs> yeah well be sure to expect a lot more merchandise and content coming out uh, as far as reveals and trailers and things like that over the next week or so Okay, Jesse, let's begin our main topic for this episode, and that is talking about a character that I feel like has been a controversial character from the start, but also this character gets not as much respect as they deserve, and that is Jar Jar Binks. Um, and I don't know about you, but I have never really had an issue with Jar Jar. Yeah, me either. No issue whatsoever. <laughs> and I was thinking, like, why do people hate him so much? Because, yeah, he might not be the smartest person. He might not be the most spatially aware, right? He trips and falls <laughs> and things. He's clumsy. But that doesn't mean that you have to hate a person for that or hate a character for that. Like, why do people just not like him? And I was thinking, like, if you go back to the original trilogy there wasn't really a character that was like that. I mean, the droids had their little quippy moments and their little humorous, you know, remarks and things. But, like, Jar Jar's, like, over-the-top silly. But as a kid, as a nine-year-old, when I went to go see episode one, I thought he was hilarious. You know? Mission right. accomplished. <laughs> right. And that, you, we were the target audience at that time. Nine-year-old kids. To, like, I don't want to like limit it to nine-year-old kids but it star wars is made for kids we've heard you know george lucas has said that and doesn't mean that it's not made so that everyone can enjoy it but the target audience was originally kids so jar jar is 
the perfect comic relief character to have throughout, you know, something that's generally a pretty serious topic. It's a war, Star Wars. So it's how do you make a whole entire saga geared towards kids about war? Well, you throw in really funny characters. The only time I ever really watched Star Wars as a kid was at my cousin's house, but it, they were just always on in the background. And when Jar Jar was on, I was giggling. Mm-hmm. It, it's He's just funny. He's a comic relief character. And honestly, now looking like how I feel about Jar Jar now is more than a comic relief character. I, I just love him. I love a silly character. Yeah. And I mean, he has a really true heart. You know, he's always wanting to help people. He's always wanting to do the right thing. And like we've said before, he's not necessarily the smartest character, but he does it out of a good, good intentions. You know, he's got good intentions as a character. Um, and I, I think growing up, you know, watching the movies and, and seeing him step in that goo on Tatooine, that I remember watching <laughs> The Phantom Menace and watching Jar Jar you know, in the theater, step in that goo, and then telling my parents as we were leaving the theater that I thought that that part was hilarious and that I liked Jar Jar Binks. Um, and I had a Jar Jar Binks lunchbox. And, you know, I don't I don't want to focus on this too much, but it's really sad what happened to Ahmed Best because his character received so much hate, which translated to his life and we've seen how that has affected him you know over the last however many years um i can't remember exactly when it came out but that article about him considering taking his own life because of the ridicule that he received from fans who hated jar jar binks um, and I think that's messed up because as a kid, like I said, I brought my Jar Jar lunchbox to school and I got made fun of for it. And then I didn't want to bring it to school anymore, you know? And if you do something like that to a kid, it's not cool, you know? Right. And, and really it's like when, when we're kids and you know, there's always going to be bullies on the playground, which is, it's not okay, but they're getting that from the way they see the adults in their lives act. You know, and it's not the little kids that, you know, the bullies on the playground that were able to get to Ahmed best. This had to be, you know, adults with access to getting their voices out and, you know, putting, you know, that negativity out into the world to get it to Ahmed best. Like, it's just... it's it's just that character wasn't geared towards adults in the first place and to to take something that you don't like and target the actor or the voice actor or whoever it is the I don't care if it's the director or the writer to actually send them hate to create hatred around that person for thinking a character is stupid or whatever it just I just don't understand where that energy comes from and and it's just such a wasteful it's just such a wasteful way to spend your energy yeah and i think you know one of my favorite things and i'll never forget this moment i actually tried to find a video of it but uh since last celebration i got a new phone so i don't know if i have it anymore maybe you have it jesse somewhere but um ahmed best was a guest on the um 
Star Wars show stage, kind of in the middle of the you know celebration and everything. And as they brought him out, and they did this with Kelly Marie Tran as, as well, but they were like chanting his name. And it almost mm-hmm. made me cry because knowing everything that Ahmed Best went through, to have him feel, number one, comfortable enough to show up at a Star Wars convention and sign autographs, I mean, that's a big step, you know? Right. And two, to be interviewed on a live stream in front of you know, thousands of people, that's a big step. Um, and to feel comfortable with that, that's that's crazy. And then we just had a bunch of fans just chanting, you know, I don't know if they were chanting Ahmed or Jar Jar or what they were chanting, but it just made me feel so happy knowing that the fans have come together to support Ahmed and his character. Yeah, it, those are some really heartwarming moments at Celebration and kind of a reminder that you know, there's a lot of internet trolls out there, and I think we say this a lot on this podcast, that sometimes the negative voices can just seem louder than everyone else's positive voices, because those negative, you know, posts, when you see them on the internet, they just really, they can just get you sometimes and take over kind of your own mood. So I think it's a nice reminder that that's not necessarily a representation of the majority of Star Wars fans is those few negative voices that just happen to be screaming louder than everyone else online. Um, so I thought that was a really good reminder and representation of what Star Wars fans, you know, should be, and I think for the most part are. Yeah, I agree. When I was younger, it was a couple of years ago. Um, well, actually, I don't know what year it was. I met I met Ahmed Best. Um, one time and it was at Star Wars weekends and um, I was so excited to meet him because a year about a year and a half before I met him he went to a convention in New York and uh, it was the first time I had ever seen Ahmed Best show up as a guest to sign and I was really worried that he was going to be treated badly and that he would never want to show up to another convention so I was trying to figure out a way for you know, to get me out there to New York to meet him because I was really worried, you know, this is going to be a bad experience for him. But he ended up showing up at Star Wars weekends and he had a really long line for autographs. And now he's been to Celebration and he's got his own character on the Jedi Temple Trials or Challenge or whatever that show's called. Um, And I think, you know, he's really turned a corner and I, I really hope that the nasty fans have been taught a lesson yeah and i wonder if if too like there is like a nostalgia effect that will occur you know time and time again especially when we're talking about the star wars sagas because it's like every generation has their star wars that came out when they were kids and i think you know, we we don't know what it was really like in, when the originals came out, but those were the originals. So it's like everybody was on board. It was exciting. It was new. There wasn't, as far as I'm aware of, a ton of hate for particular characters. But then the prequels come out, and we have kids who were like our age, 9, 10, you know, whatever in that range, watching Star Wars and just eating it up all over again. And then it's, you know, the older generation sometimes, maybe the people who grew up with the originals, just some of them maybe were, you know, you kind of can look down upon because you have your 
Star Wars. It's kind of like Doctor Who fans in a way, where it's like everybody has their doctor. But then as time goes on, now the prequels are kind of nostalgic, and now we have the sequels. And I think people are really letting up on the prequel hate as far as I've been feeling at least in the fandom it's it's now transferred over to the sequels <laughs> which is whatever like I don't yeah. care I don't want to talk about that but but like I wonder if that's just going to kind of be like a generational thing like give it another 10 years and maybe we have another you know group of movies that are coming out for Star Wars because it seems like Star Wars is going to go on forever at this point and maybe now then people will you know Looking back at the sequels and being like, oh, no, yeah, right? Mary Sue? Who, who would call her a Mary Sue? Like, who knows? Like, maybe it's just, like, a, a nostalgia thing. Like, time needs to pass, and then, like, somehow the, the value increases. I don't know. Am I making sense? <laughs> I think so. I think so. Um, I just, I, I don't know if technology... Because, you know, because technology is advancing and social media is a lot more prevalent. I mean, when I was nine, I wasn't on social media. Did social media exist? You know, was that MySpace? Or was that before MySpace? I don't know. I don't think so. I think it was before MySpace. I honestly, the internet just was one day when we were kids, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember exactly when or how it became, like, prevalent in our houses but I don't think I want to say MySpace was like high school for us I don't know if that necessarily means it was new when we were in high school or if it's just that we first had access to it when we were in high school so I don't know yeah it definitely seems to me and granted I was a kid when the prequels came out and so I didn't really get a lot of necessarily like that community I wasn't involved in a community really until I was 13, 14 years old, at least with the Star Wars community. So I got kind of made fun of for carrying around my Jar Jar Binks lunchbox, but like that was just at school with, you know, older kids and bullies and things. Um, but I think a lot of it now is the access of social media and just being able to, you know, be a keyboard warrior and just unload on people you know, about anything. And I think no matter what, with Star Wars, you're going to have people that hate on something. And I don't want to veer off too much of our topic of Jar Jar appreciation. I just think that that's kind of the way that society is. Um, and over time, like you were saying, things might get a little bit better. Um, things People might warm up to it a little bit. I've seen a lot of people recently um, with Last Jedi appreciation posts like people seem to either view that one as the best one of the sequel trilogy or just talking about how they've kind of come around to really liking that one and and for me that really shows growth and um that the negative ones are the loudest you know right i think too there's a shock value when you first get something new especially of something that you have so much love for for such a long span of time there's that initial shock value where you're like oh this is so different and sometimes that can make you feel in a negative way because it's something you've always had such love for so anything other than that feeling of like yes love this might feel like a negative until you really give yourself time to grow with those things the same way you grew with you know your original set of what you knew as star wars you start to be able to appreciate it maybe a little bit more and i think to the clone wars as a as a series did a lot for people's appreciation for the prequels and i think it's possible that along with that 
came a little bit of Jar Jar appreciation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I think since the Clone Wars, people have like gotten like renewed an appreciation for the prequels. Yeah, I agree. Now let's talk about Jar Jar specifically and i was i was thinking about the show and preparing and i was trying to think like how could i relate jar jar to somebody in my life and i don't mean this in a bad way and i I really because you know amanda loves jar jar um but like as i think about certain things that have happened in my life and then i think about jar jar i have a story jesse and this was a couple a couple years ago we went on a cruise and it was me and my parents and my sister and my brother-in-law and amanda and on this cruise ship obviously before covid um there was a casino and so a couple of the nights during our seven-day cruise we as a family went to play went to gamble at the casino and I don't really, I'm not really a gambler. I don't play like poker or anything. Um, or, I mean, I'll play blackjack every once in a while, but not really. Like not not for money or anything. Mm-hmm. And so when I would go to casinos with my dad, he would always play roulette. And so that's kind of like what I do when I go to casinos now, just because that's what dad always did. Um, and so we went to a roulette table. And I don't know, have you ever played roulette, Jesse? I haven't. Okay, so it's the game where you have the little ball and you spin the wheel and the ball like lands on a number and a color. And if you if you had the chips or the little tokens on that particular color on the table, then you win. Or sometimes like you could just pick black or red or you could pick uh, evens or odds or you could pick like, you know, numbers one through ten or 11 through 20 or you know whatever it is so there's a lot of different ways to win and it's all about luck really because you don't know where the little ball is going to land um but i've done i've played it before and so i always try to come up with the strategy to like how can i maximize or at least minimize losing money like if i can stay in this game if i can put some on red and some on black at least I'll win, right? Because it's always either red or black. If you put some on one, then you might lose some, but you'll also win some. So I always try to like come up with the best strategy. Amanda had never played this before, and she would literally throw chips onto the board. And the, the person in charge of the table, the roulette spinner, um, or the dealer, would be like, do you want it on 11 or 12? And she's like, I don't know, just pick one. And so they're like, are you sure? Like, this is kind of strange behavior. And so it would land on one of those. Like, the little ball would land on it. It's like, how did you win? Oh, like, random. Yeah. How did you win? She's like, I don't know. She'd just literally, like, throw chips at the table, and it would land on a random thing, and then she'd win, like, a bunch of money. I think she won a couple hundred dollars, like, the first night we played. I'm like, how does this happen? Wait, did she do it, like, she did it multiple times in a row? And one. I don't know if it was or like, just like in multiple a row. times throughout the day. Yeah, throughout the night. She would just randomly throw the chip on the board and they'd be like, Where that's do you want so this? Funny. She's like, I don't know, just pick one of them. That's that's fine. It's in the middle, it's okay. You know, and and she would win. <laughs> and she'd win like a bunch of money. And so that's how I thought of like that's that's the first thing I thought of in my life 
that sort of like reminded me of Jar Jar. Kind of that beginner's luck, like that right. you want to do well, but you kind of don't know what you're doing, but somehow it all pans out in the end, you know? So like right. even with Jar Jar, you trip and fall, but somehow that like knocks the boomers out and you take out a few tanks, you know? <laughs> so right. that's how it, it kind of reminded me of, of that situation. And that's not bad. Amanda loves Jar Jar, so I don't think that she would be offended by that by that comparison. <laughs> but yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, I feel like Jar Jar is like one of those characters that is the embodiment and representation of like what they always tell you in life like what's the key to success it's like just keep showing up and just keep (laughs) moving forward and eventually like you'll hit that right sweet spot where you'll get you know one step closer to what you want if you just keep always showing up and that's just kind of Jar Jar's entire energy is that he just he's just always there he's always willing to keep putting himself out there he doesn't let his trip ups and slip ups and chaos like make him feel like he should just go crawl in a hole and stay there forever he just keeps being a part of everything and and eventually gets himself into success yeah and i thought it was really funny too you know with some of the scenes that they bring jar jar into the clone wars where like you have this jedi right in season six mace windu goes with jar jar to find out out what's going on with the degoyan masters and mace windu is not the key to that story you know it's jar jar that's the key to that story it's it's him and his relationship with queen julia and you know that whole thing and even Jar Jar, right? He's got his he's got his lady friend, so that was cool to see. Um, must, must be doing something right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but he, you know, becomes this representative of Naboo, and he, you know, when we first see him in Episode One, he was banished from Otagunga, and then he kind of works his way up, and he becomes this, you know general right at the end of episode one he was a general a bombad general uh, yep. and then he becomes the uniter this... of two races for naboo right can you can you believe <laughs> that like that's a big deal right to like literally solve a entire you know a planet divided 100 percent completely divided by race and just his mere, you know, bumbling around in a jungle led him to <laughs> uniting them and solving a whole world problem. <laughs> yep. And he was the guide for Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, right? To get us to get them through the planet's core and to get back to the surface of Naboo where Feed was. You know, I, I think he really he really plays a bigger role in the story than people give him credit for. He's not just there to trip over things or get his tongue stuck in the energy binders. You know, he has a bigger role to play. Right. Definitely. And I just think, too, like one of my favorite things about Jar Jar, and when I think about why I love Jar Jar so much, is that it's he's also kind of just someone that teaches you to accept your own failures in a way where he just... It's, it's just a constant stream of failing and failing and failing, but each failure somehow leads him at least one step into that nice, like, into that right direction. And even when, like, things seem impossible, like in Bombad Jedi, 
you know, they, him and C-3PO, 3PO is like, let's surrender. And Jar Jar is like, no, let's run. And whatever he does, like, just like causes, you know, what is he, he, he becomes, um, he starts getting Anakin's jacket and like every little silly thing he does. He's like, I don't know, I'm going to put on this cloak. I just bumped into the wall and a door <laughs> opened up and there's Anakin's cloak in there. I wonder what that's for. Misa eyeball like, stuck in the sleeve. <laughs> right, right. Like he's just bumbling around and 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 every moment is a failure. But if you look at it that way, that's enough to like weigh anyone down. But he just doesn't see it that way. And through kind of his own just un because uh, I think that's what society and I and myself too I feel sometimes weighed down by that fear of failure I think it's pretty normal as we like bumble through adulthood and trying to make our own way and find our own paths I think that fear of failure can really hold a person back and Jar Jar kind of exemplifies that like I don't really care if I fail I'm just going to keep moving and see if this works out for me and nine times out of ten it does so we could all take a lesson from Jar Jar there a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And we've talked a lot. I mean, I know you guys mentioned it on Space Buns and over the past couple of months, we've talked about failure as a theme in Star Wars and growing from your failures and, and learning from them. And I think, you know, Jar Jar, a lot of people blame him for giving the Chancellor emergency powers because he was the, you know, representative that kind of pushed, brought that motion to the floor. And, you know, a lot of people made mistakes under Palpatine. You know, look at, right. look at Anakin. One of the most powerful characters in all of Star Wars made mistakes under Palpatine. You know, so I don't think you can really hold that over Jar Jar um, just because I think that, if anything, that's more of like a, a, a compliment to Palpatine because Palpatine's just, I mean, he's a Sith Lord. He's a master of darkness. He He's a manipulator. He does that. That's what he does. Yep. Yep. He's been manipulating everyone from the beginning. And if, if we can accept that, you know, he's strong enough to manipulate someone like Anakin, then I think it just only makes sense that. You know, it, it, the way it's presented to Jar Jar too in that moment is like, we're it, like all is lost if we can't do this. And if Amidala was here, she would be strong enough to do it. So when mm -hmm. he's standing there thinking to himself, like, well, what am I doing? Like, I'm here to represent Padme. So if everybody's saying that, you know, he's standing around Bail Organa, like all these people he trusts, and like it just, it's it's sad, but it. It makes sense. I don't blame him. It's it's Palpatine. Yep. Well, I think there's a lot to be said about Jar Jar. Whether you like him or whether you don't like him, his character is integral to the story of Star Wars. And I'm glad that Clone Wars did not limit putting Jar Jar in the series because of the fan backlash that he got in the prequels. I am so happy that they put him in there. I'm so happy that they, you know, kept Ahmed Best. Now, uh, this other guy, BJ, let's see, what's his name? BJ Hughes, he actually filled in for Ahmed a few times, so it's not all Ahmed Best as Jar Jar in the Clone Wars. Um, and I don't know what the reasons were for that. I don't know if it was a, you know, Ahmed Best thing or if it was a Lucasfilm thing or what it was. Um, but I, I'm so glad that they brought him in to Clone Wars, and I think he really has valuable lessons to teach 
everybody watching the show. I agree. And it's just uh, some of those Jar Jar episodes sometimes, even though they're not, you know, Jedi-centric or clone-centric even, which is sometimes what we, you know, when you think of Clone Wars, that's what you think of. But, like, Bombad Jedi is probably one of my favorite Clone Wars episodes because I just love watching Jar Jar succeed through failure time and time again for an entire 30 minutes straight. (laughs) Yep. It's funny. You know, watching that's funny. Mistaking this clumsy Gungan for a Jedi is is funny, you know? Let's go to our ship. Uh, we can't really do that. Why not? Battle droids? No. Jar Jar? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just yeah. they, they add so much comedy to the show, and, and through Jar Jar, I think it it really does provide a good example for everybody. And I remember, you know, some of my, my first collectibles that were my own, I remember being Jar Jar. Like, I got like I, I got hand-me-downs from my uncle, you know, from the original trilogy. And when I was five years old, I got my first Star Wars figures. But when I was nine years old and the Episode One figures came out, I remember getting some for, like, Easter and, and Christmas and things like that. And I remember getting a Jar Jar figure. And then there was this really special, elusive one, Jar Jar Swamp. Where it was him, he came with a, a fish in his little packaging, and it was him like swimming on Naboo, and the other one was him with like a some kind of weapon. But the one with the fish was like the rare one, and my cousin got it at a con. Uh, my cousin got it. I think think he got it. I don't remember. Um, but for me, it was like one of my grail pieces. I wanted to get it, and at one celebration, or it wasn't a celebration, it was a convention. Um, I found it and my dad got it for me and I was like, this is the perfect thing to get signed by Ahmed Best. So I brought that and uh, a book to get signed by him at weekends. Super nice guy. If you ever have the opportunity, I highly recommend going and shaking Ahmed Best's hand. He's a great guy, great dude. Definitely don't pass on that one. And I love that now he has like a new place in the Star Wars universe as the Jedi Temple Challenge Jedi Master Yep. for that that YouTube series. I think is really, it's cool that he's still around in the Star Wars universe in a way. Yep. And he's, Jar Jar is iconic in the Star Wars prequels. I mean, everybody knows Jar Jar Binks, so... So here at Twin Sons, we want to know what your favorite scene or scenes of Jar Jar Binks is. If you have a favorite part or even a a favorite collectible, uh, if you have a picture with Ahmed Best, we want to see it. So, uh, Jesse, where can people post these on social media? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as YouTube, all under the handle at Twin Sons Outpost. All right, and if you'd feel better about emailing us, you can email us at twinsonsoutpost at gmail.com. You can also find us and our podcast on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You'll find all of our episodes there, including our newest episode of Ashla Analysis, talking all about ancient Jedi and Sith texts. Uh, we're on iTunes. We are also on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store as well. And if you enjoyed this episode and you think we're pretty wizard, go ahead and give us a good review wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Thank you so much for listening to our Jar Jar Appreciation episode, episode 182 of Twin Suns Transmission. We'll be back again next week, and as always, may the Force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always. Hellmaster, Tatooine. It's controlled by the Hutt. Rendezvous point on Halloween. This time you will murder to meet the king.